They call him the practitioner. His name is Chad Michael, and for decades he's been traveling the country training contractors on how to create better processes and how to create more consistency in their businesses. Chad has a passion for equipping people and companies with the tools to transform and grow. And that's exactly why we align. That is our purpose here at Contractor Dynamics, to equip people and companies with the tools to transform and grow. So in this interview, Chad opens up and shares some of his insights based on his experience working with contractors of all different sizes to help them level up. And he shares some of the common denominators that he sees among the companies that he works with in terms of what makes them successful. So tune in, take notes, and most importantly, take some action based on what Chad shares with us today. Welcome to the Nailed It Podcast with your host, Joseph Hughes, founder of Contractor Dynamics and creator of the Dynamic Accelerator Program, found at ContractorDynamics.com. Sit back, relax, and welcome to today's fire episode on the business of construction. So what's up, Chad? How are you today, my man? I'm great. How about yourself, Joe? Good to see I'm you. Doing- Doing excellent. Great to see you as well. Uh, one of these days we'll we'll catch up in person, but for now, absolutely, the old virtual will have to do. So um, yeah, I'm excited to dive into your journey. Um, I see you all over the place on social media these days. You are physically all over the place as far as traveling the country. And uh, I just want to have you on to really get to learn a little bit about your experience, your expertise, and uh, and you're in the education business, as are we. So we're always looking to provide education and knowledge and insights, uh, different perspectives, different ways of thinking about things to our audience. And uh, so that's why I want to have you on. I know you're a wealth of knowledge, and uh, we could probably do you know a whole series of interviews and, and podcasts about what you have in between your ears there. Um, but why don't you, why don't you uh, you know start off by giving the audience a background as to you know who you are and uh, and what you do and what your background is and all that whatever you want to get into. Absolutely, and first man, thank you so much for having me, Joe. I am so much a fan of yours and of your show, so I am humbled to be on your show. So thank you so much for asking me. I, I really really appreciate it. So. Um, a background on me, I, I have about 23 years, just over 23 years of experience in the insurance restoration contracting space. And uh, and that started in the roofing sales arena. You know, that's that was how I entered into the industry. I responded to an ad. There's a hailstorm in my market. I'm from Dayton, Ohio, originally Kettering. And um, I went to work as a roofing sales rep. I knew nothing about hail damage and what that does. I didn't even know there was a hailstorm there. I struggled a lot at first. I had a little bit of sales background at that point. Um, as a teenager, I, I sold uh, Kirby vacuum cleaners for one day. Okay. <laughs> for one day. That's all that lasted. And then I sold uh, Cutco knives. And I really, really... Uh, enjoyed that a lot. Like I got into the management side of it. And I was an assistant manager. So when I was like 17, I made around 50 grand, you know, and I kind of nice. got spoiled by like, I, I, I was introduced into sales and I could see how lucrative it was. And so I, I really liked that side of it. And the fact that you didn't really have to make a sale, you know, for insurance restoration that, you know, I was really drawn into that. Um, and you would think that I, 
took to that and did really well, but I didn't. I, I did not do well at all. Um, back then, there was no eagle view, so you had to hand draw, you know, every roof and measure it by hand. It was really difficult for me. I didn't have any construction background. I had a uh, a landscaping company uh, that failed miserably. You know, I was about twenty one. I mean, it it didn't just go into the ground; it went under the ground. And <laughs> I, I I tried to get really big, really quick. I had like forty employees, and just crashed and burned. And uh, and I was really looking for something else to do at a miserable low point in my life when I found that roofing sales job. Um, but I didn't. I didn't do very well with it right away. You know, I kind of got in and out of that uh, space. I I remember helping my cousin at the time. He was a mortgage broker and I was helping him do recruiting and some other things. And then hurricanes, Gene, Charlie, Francis, and Ivan struck Florida in 2004. 2004. And um, I ended up moving down there full time and, you know, I, I worked just long story short, I worked for several companies in sales and then ended up starting my own company. I had partners and um, that was my real university, if you will. Like that was, you know, not just roofing, but everything, you know, mitigation, contents, total insurance, restoration, the real deal. Um, the average size project I worked on uh, through those hurricanes and then also Hurricane Wilma in South Florida, 2005. Um, 80,000 and above, you know, so it's kind of sink or swim looking back. I don't know how I really got through that, you know, but I learned a lot, you know, very, very quickly. And then, so that sort of propelled me. I got in more into water and fire. Um, 2008 in Florida, I was suffering because of the real estate crash. And there was, there were no more hurricanes at that time. And I wasn't doing really any water or fire damage. But in 2008, Hurricane Ike hit Texas, and I ended up sort of migrating towards Texas and um, South Tech, like Houston, Galveston, that area, worked uh, that storm for a while, and then ended up moving to Dallas full time, uh, where I still live. I've been there almost 15 years, I guess, and uh, started getting into the the water and fire nature of the business. So where it didn't really depend on mother nature, but living in Dallas, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of hailstorms, as you may know. Like that's a very active hailstorm area, and so I, you know, worked a lot of hailstorms. Started getting more into commercial jobs, larger projects, but I wasn't um, I wasn't happy in that in that life. Like I I, I and I couldn't figure it out for for the longest time. I was a hundred pounds heavier than I am right now. I had you know high blood pressure, medical. It, issues at a still a pretty young age. And I had a daughter who was born, you know, right around that about, she's almost 13 to be 13 this coming month. And um, I remember thinking that I was not going to be able to grow up and see her or, or be able to be around when, as she grows up because of the way I was living my life. And it was just not taking care of myself, you know, running myself too hard, too much involved with my work, you know, 80, 90 hour work weeks. And it was the idea really, I think at the end of the day, thinking back at the end of the day, my clients didn't appreciate me <laughs> for all that I did, you know, in the, as a contractor, I think that, I think anyone can relate as a contractor, all that you do, you travel a million miles to keep a hundred promises. That's really the nature of the job. And you end up being a firefighter, you know, you're just constantly 
putting out crises and you, you set a plan that's very uh, strict, maybe for, perhaps for the next day, you have every hour planned out. And by 7 a.m., the entire thing is derailed, you know. So I think the production aspect of things, if I were to identify it, was not my love. I was not passionate about passionate about that. And I think, you know, you need to be passionate about what you do. But where my specialty really is and has been and has been since is the inspections, the estimates, and the supplements, like dealing with the insurance company. Um, they're always short in their estimates. I think we all know that, like they're always missing line items. And it's very challenging when you're trying to get the work done and, and you always have to get past the insurance company sort of as your adversary because they don't want to pay an adequate amount of money to get the project done. And I found that I had a real knack for that early on for, for persuading the insurance company to see things more from my point of view. And I did that by learning how to sort of go with the flow instead of always trying to fight them all the time. I learned, I learned their process and how they do things, their procedures. And so, for example, I started using Xactimate way back in that, those hurricane days. So, I mean, I've been using Xactimate for many, many years. Some people don't like Xactimate, the pricing software for insurance restoration projects that over 90% of the insurance companies use. I've been using that for years. And I've, instead of fighting against that, I've embraced it different things that insurance companies do. I've tried to embrace it and sort of go with the flow, with the grain, if you will. And I found that I've been very, very efficient in doing that. And I look around and, and I've been surprised to see that I've been somewhat more successful than most at that. And that has morphed into my specialty. So I found a way of, you know, I decided that I wanted to get out as, as being a contractor. I wanted to get out but I wanted to stay in the business, but only do handle the aspects that I love the most. That's where my real passion is, obviously. And so I ended up selling the business and I started the first, and I'll put this on the record on your show, because I do this at all my events and all my content. I, I always say I was first and the, until someone comes and shows me evidence that they beat me to it. I was the first virtual estimating company, you know, okay. like, like where you submit your data, you submit your pictures and your, we built a portal where they could submit their information on the job and we would turn around and write them exact made estimate because I was first and there was no one else doing that. Uh, and there are, I, there are other people that were writing estimates for people, but not like on a portal, on a site, on a national scale, ended up doing that in Canada also. And it grew into hundreds and thousands of orders. You know, there's a high demand for that. Ended up having to hire uh, former adjusters mostly to help me. And then I had to set up a system and a portal to assign projects before that was really a thing, you know? Right. Um, and then, I, so I did that for many years and that morphed into, evolved, I should say. Instead of just writing the estimates, we handled the full invoice management for our clients. And so we would start dealing with the adjusters, you know, on behalf of that particular company. And, and then I identified that no one was ever getting me the right documentation. There were never enough photos. There were never the right inspections being done. And so that's what you really have to have. You have to have the documentation and the proof to be able to, to persuade the insurance companies to your side. 
And I could never get my clients to do that. And so I started doing videos to help them with that. Like one company asked me, they had a sales team in San Antonio and they asked me to make a video to show them how to do inspections. Well, I just moved into my house at the time and it had hail damage and it was vacant. And so I started doing, you know, recording videos. And then I, I learned that instead of doing it up and down, you do it this way. And, and I couldn't figure out how to send it to them. And the only thing I could find was YouTube. So then that, you know, just by trying to share with that with them, I started having other people like, well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And I was shocked at what was out there, like the, the really lack of education in our industry and the, the lack of just simple information, basic uh, things that could help contractors. And so that by accident propelled me into starting this YouTube channel, which I still have, you know, to this day, that became that evolved into us actually having inspectors on the ground in various markets around the country to, because they weren't getting us the right data, you know? So we would do the inspections for them, the estimates and handle the supplements. And that, you know, all of a sudden I had all these people working for me again. And I think when you have people working for you, it's like you work for them. And so that became something that I, as I became older, I just wasn't as happy in that environment. And I wanted to work on larger and larger projects. So I really just wanted to do it by myself. I wanted to be the guy to go out and do the inspections to, to deal with all the, all the, the, uh, you know, the, the hands-on estimate myself and do the supplement myself. Cause I really enjoy it and not have to work around a bunch of people, not have to have a hundred, you know, hundred jobs and a thousand claims I have to work on. And so I evolved over time into it's just me you know, going around the country, doing inspections, doing estimates, and working on much larger projects for fewer clients, if you will, fewer, fewer contractors. And today, I actually only do that for one contractor client. And the rest of my time now is devoted into the training aspect and the helping of other contractors. So the YouTube channel developed into other things. Uh, four years ago, I developed an online training course and that's been going, I have over 1300 students, like monthly subscribers in that system. And that's a much, very, very extensive, uh, it is a certification program and over 40 hours of video and audio you know, content quiz and things like that. It's called iescertified.com. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So I've been doing that. And then uh, in 2019, I decided to do a 100 town tour where I went out and did live training events, an all day uh, training event in various cities around the country. And that was just monumental, you know, for me. And it really, you know, it expanded my view of the industry as a whole. And of course, then COVID. And, uh, and now I'm back out doing that again. And, uh, and that sort of brings us to the present day. And I, I, so I do training and mostly consulting where I help contractors, you know, give them advice. It's, it's not as hands-on where I'm writing the estimate for them, but I can, I'm giving them tips on the estimate that they're writing, their inspections, the jobs that they're working on, projects that they're working on, uh, where they can call me with specific challenges that they're facing with adjusters. I help them and give them work on top line strategies on how to deal with specific projects. So, that's what I do now, consulting, training, my YouTube, 
And uh, sorry for the long story, but I really tried to make that as brief as possible. Well, that's 23 years packed in uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, 10 minutes. So that's, no, that's great, man. It's interesting. Like you and I have very similar businesses and maybe that's why we, you know, have gotten along so, so well in the brief time that we've known each other. Like we used to run a marketing agency where we did all the marketing for our clients sure. and running, you know, say social media ads for them. And they were not giving us the proper documentation as far as like, hey, mm. take some photos and videos of your job so we can actually run some ads for you because we're not going to use stock photos anymore because right. that looks stupid. It doesn't work as good. Yeah. Right. So then we started developing training to help them be better clients and then skip a few steps. We eventually transitioned our model into a 100% training model where, you know, very similar, we're teaching them how to fish instead of like giving them the fish, Right. And um, empowering them. And that's, that's exactly what it sounds like you're doing. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I will say, I wanted to add to that too, just because this is on the record, you know, because I'm open about this, probably too open about it, you know, on my, my training events in my course, it's like the first thing you have to get through my story. People told me I go on about it too much, but what I conveniently left out of that story, when I started my life, you know, age of 19, I got a slew of felonies and I uh, got myself in a whole bunch of trouble with the federal government, in fact. And so like to the point to where I went to federal prison at 19 and um, you know, you didn't ask me that. And I, I'm pretty sure you know that. I think we've talked about that before, but I'm pretty, I'm very open about that. I'm no longer ha- wear it as a shame around my neck where I once for many years I did, but I like to, I like to bring that up because people are like, well, let me tell you about the real deal. You know, the people that know about that, that don't right. like me or that don't, you know, they, they really uh, would not like to see me um, growing as big as I have. You know, I own that openly. Uh, you know, it's, it's been many, I'm many years removed for that. I'll be 45 here in about a month. And, uh, and I'm actually, I'm not proud of it. Of course, if I, you know, if I had it all to do over again, would I have had a much different start to my life? Of course, you know, I threw away a lot of opportunities at a very young age. I got started off on the wrong track. I came from a broken background, a broken home. No excuse for my actions, but I'm not supposed to be able to be where I'm at now, like statistically. You know, I should not be having any success. And I really do have to pay a lot of credit to that experience, that horrible experience for my success today, because it's overcoming adversity. My background is overcoming adversity. And when I, when I face challenges now, it's not near as hard. <laughs> you know, the, the people that I can relate to, you know, I, I can relate with all types of different people. I, I can see past. I'm very aware of my environment, my surrounding. I can read people pretty well. And so it's really helped me a lot. Um, but more than anything, you know, I, w- because I've, I've been open about that, it's been so rewarding to see the people come up to me in private and share similar stories from, you know, in our industry, there's a lot of <laughs> people that come from a lot of broken backgrounds, various, you know, backgrounds and diverse backgrounds. And so it's not ideal to be, to be clear, but I just wanted to, I wanted to get that out there because I don't, uh, as you can see, I, I hope you can see. I don't care what people think about that now. You know, it's my story. I own it. And um, and I'm grateful for that experience actually today. 
That's really cool, man. That's that's cool. I mean, part of that is like getting out in front of the objection, right? Just like sales, right? Like you know, people are going to have the objection, so why of not course. talk? Why not bring it out into the light? You know, before they bring it up. That's right. Um, so you know they're going to bring it. Up. And then second of all, like I think it's really you know we connect through our vulnerabilities, and we've all yes. you know had felonies, but like we all have had experiences that we've been through. That <laughs> it's a good you know, thing, Joe. It's a good thing that you don't have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely got in trouble a little bit, but uh, not to the extent, I guess, or just didn't get caught, I guess. Um, right. But if anyway, I had a dollar for every time I heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah, try yeah, to make yeah. me feel better, like, oh, I just didn't get caught, you know. If I- exactly, and that's just luck. That's not not from being smart. But I think that that paints a good picture because people see you, like, here you are. You got this big, you know, national brand. You're all over the place, uh, successful in a lot of people's eyes, and. And, you know, we see the highlight reel of Instagram and Facebook and it's like, oh, the guy's got it made. He must have had, you know, some investor or some like, you know, maybe his dad started the business or whatever. But like you can create anything that you want and uh, it it doesn't matter what your background is. That doesn't define you. So I think that's really cool you share that. A lot of people can relate for sure, Um, especially in this industry where, you know, a lot of blue collar, a lot of working hard, a lot of, you know, figuring things out by uh, trial and error and um, just making it happen. Yeah, I, I think just the takeaway from that that I learned the most is I can't believe how paralyzed with fear I was for so many years because I was so ashamed of what I had done with my life, you know, and I wanted to keep it hidden. I didn't want people to know about it, you know, and I was just paralyzed with fear, unnecessarily so. Mm-hmm. And I think when you really you get to a point where you decide, I think it comes with age too, and wisdom where you decide that you just want to be yourself. You just Mm -hmm. want to be yourself. You just want to be free with yourself, which I think is the number one recipe for success, you know, is just being your authentic, true self. So you talk about vulnerabilities. Um, You know, I think vulnerabilities, here's another one for you. I've been married over 21 years. I've been uh, separated for the last 10, 11 months, I'm going through a divorce, you know, and that's a, that's a vulnerability. That's a bad vulnerability. Right. Like, uh, but I went through two years of grief, you know, and I'm, I'm in a great place in my head, you know, where it's, there's, there's not drama and chaos that's going to derail me. Like I'm in a good place. We're getting along. Like we're going to, we have a daughter together. We're going to do great, you know, but that's another one that people deal with. And I think they're, they're ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. They're, um, they're afraid of what people might think of them or or people might be afraid of, of how they talk or their accent, or the way that they look, or, you know, that's what I love about YouTube. You see the craziest channels that are so quirky, like if you, and you have kids, so you see that they're watching these channels, and these people are getting like millions of views, and you're looking like, who is this person? It's like the weirdest, goofiest person doing the quirkiest things, but they get millions and millions of views, and what that is, is like, once you really discover that people like you for who you are. The people that don't like that won't watch you, right? But right. the people that like you for who you truly are will stick around and you'll build a community around that. And when you learn that, then you decide to be yourself more. You lean into it. And I encourage that for anyone. Just yeah. be yourself. Don't worry about what people think. It's, a, it's an invisible power and it's a facade that is not really real. What people think about you cannot dictate your future. You've uh-huh. got to get past that. You've got to not worry at all what you look like. You know, if you, you, you're worried about be doing videos, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to say. Just do it. Don't worry uh-huh. about getting the best camera. 
I didn't. We, I thought we were doing audio today. <laughs> I have a lot of great cameras, but uh, I'm in a hotel room getting ready for my Denver event, and I'm in sweats, and I just don't care, bro. I exactly. Care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I wear my gray hair. I don't try to cover it up. Uh, I wear it as a badge of honor. You know, so. That's, that's, right. that's experience, all that great yeah, hair. That, that's experience, man. That's it. Yeah. So by the, sorry by to the way, the topics. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we should get Under Armour to sponsor this this uh, interview. I got it yeah, on. Yeah, man. What's on. up, dude? Like, come yeah, on, man. I, like we're we got to be like influencers for uh, absolutely. Under absolutely. That's a good brand um, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's it's uh, it's so true. Um, just you know how we have to be our our authentic selves. I mean. My buddy Dan has this saying, like, you don't need a million followers, you need a thousand true fans um, oh, man, that are going to, so you know, do every follow everything that you do. And, you know, you put something out, they're going to be interested in buying it or going to your event. And then you don't need a thousand customers or you need a hundred real good customers, real good clients. Such deep truth um, right there, man. So just double down on that. Yeah. And that, and that I, I work on that because I'm my personality. I don't know what personality type you call it label wise, but like, I, I want people to like me. I'm just that type of guy. You know, I'm trying to get over that as you grow, you know, you're going to get people that just, you know, don't like you or don't resonate with you. And, you know, oh. you got to accept that as well. Right. There's no way around. If you want to grow, there's no way around that. Yeah. yeah. The first thing I do when I wake up is I read all my troll comments. <laughs> Worst time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the first thing I see. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Worst well, time to you, do it. If you can laugh about it, that's cool. If you can, you know, as yeah. long as you don't let that affect your, the rest mm. of your day. Man, so tell me about this. Like, you know, I, I have a family, kids are 10 and seven, wife, married 11 years. And um, I like to I like to go to events. I'm going to Denver next week, actually. But I try to limit it to one, one or two a, a month because I, I like my routine. I have my priorities sure, at home sure. and things like that. Man, you're on the road. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. Why, why do you do that? I mean, you have a successful brand business. You probably don't need to do that at this point. Why do you continue to do that? Great question, Joe. That's a really good question. And I'm going to answer it honestly. I think um, the 2019 Blitz that I did, that was way too much. That 100-town tour, that was there was a lot of mistakes packed into that. But that's kind of how I am. You know, I, I, I'm, I don't wait to get everything perfect to implement and execute a plan. I think at some point, you just have to go. And you have to figure things out along the way. Not an ideal situation because I'm selling tickets to 100 events thus trapping myself into those schedule, into that grueling schedule. But I did way too many, you know, too close together. Uh, I didn't give myself enough time to ramp up. And so I learned it was just way too exhausting then. And here I am now, even three years older. But the reality is, is that I love to travel. Like I, I, I find just, oh, my therapy in my travel and the other thing is, I don't, I don't like to fly. That, that causes me anxiety. Um, you know, I, I have some PTS, you know, and that, that whole, I get claustrophobic. You know, and, and I really like, um, I like to have my alone time. So I like to drive. And so I, I drive most places if I possibly can. I have my events spread out further now. So for the most part, I have them on Fridays when I do have them. And they're at least two weeks apart. But then I have like big gaps. So I'm doing, I just did Columbus for 130 last Friday and I'm doing, and then skip the Friday and then this Denver have another, or this Friday I'm in Denver, have another big group. And then I have a break until October 14th. Um, and I go to Chicago on October 14th. And then 
Silver Springs, Maryland, that's Washington, D.C., two weeks after that, and then another big break. You know, so I'm giving myself plenty of gaps there. With the new uh, situation, we're, we're doing shared, you know, 50-50 parenting. So, you know, the reality is I've come to not really enjoy Texas as much. Like Dallas, Texas, I, it's a great area. It's a great community. Don't get me wrong. But the climate is hard for me. I find that very difficult. Like it's very hot summers. And so when I don't, when I'm not with my daughter, I don't really enjoy being there and, and being there for that week. So if I could get on the road and get things done and I do like private company training also, mm-hmm. and, uh, and those could be anywhere in the country, then I, I like to use that time. And the other thing is that, you know, you mentioned like my brand is kind of all over the place. It is growing right now. There's the, I find that my brand is, and if I'm being self-aware, it is in demand. And you, you want to strike when the iron's hot because who right. knows, you know, how long I'll be able to do this kind of thing, how long I'll have this kind of energy. Um, so I want to do the best that I can. I want to leave it all out on the field. But, but yeah, it is, a, it is a lot. But believe it or not, I think when you do something you love, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like work. It does, yeah. So it's all fun for me. I'm like, a, this is just a, a dream come true. My life is a dream, you know, awesome. um, and I get to decide where I'm going to do these events. So at, at strategic times, little secret for the world here, I'm, I'm doing the event this Friday night in Denver. The reason why I even scheduled it at that time in Denver is because I'm a major Dave Matthews band fanatic okay. and he has an event here um, Friday night, the same night as my event, within walking distance of my hotel. And then also Saturday night, I'll be there then too. And then I would probably go to that event that you're going to be at in Denver, but I can't because before I found out about that, I bought more tickets to Dave Matthews. I'm going off on my break to Phoenix and seeing the show there. And then in California, I'm going to see like four shows out there and, uh, maybe midlife crisis. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> uh, do a podcast with someone in Phoenix, but who knows? And uh, yeah, man. So I love it. That's my long answer. That's cool. It. That's how I, that's how I'm able to do it. That's very cool. So selfish question. I don't know how much the audience will love this one, but, or, <laughs> or need this one, but dude, there's a lot of events out there. You know, everyone's throwing events, you know, we're throwing events, like not at your scale, but how do you like you have like I'm looking at these pictures on Facebook. And I'm like, dude, it's got like over 100 people at, at each one of these things. And like, who is this guy? And that's why I, re- I reached out to you in the first place. Like, who is this guy packing all these rooms? Like, how does he do it? How do you uh, how do you sell these like, you know, over 100 tickets per event when you have so many events? Yeah, man. I think, you know, back to that 2019, that was all yeah. just like a trial run, you know, and I think. uh if you can do a hundred events, you know, you better have some, some practice out of that, right? You yeah. better pick up some pointers. So, you know, I'm definitely, you know, that would be irresponsible of me to share proprietary information. Oh yeah, no, we're not. Like specifics, mm. but I will, I don't, I always want to give value though. I'll say, first off, you know, it is, I, I do think, and it's something that you preach all the time, Joe, is that you need to build your own personal brand. You have to build your own personal brand. And so when you look at that now, you have to understand that that is the product of years, years of very hard work. And I'm not saying that to give myself credit on that. I'm just saying that's actually 
I'm surprised at it by myself looking back how much I used to really hustle on social media. Mm-hmm. About six years ago, I decided it was the very first time I decided to even put my face out there. Everything I did was behind the company, you know, before that. So I was scared to death to do anything on camera. Uh, yeah, I mean, petrified. And but that was the beginning of everything. When I actually put my I, here's a tip. If, you, if you're scared with that, do videos where you're behind the camera first, you know, where you're showing things and then do like like explainers uh, when you're maybe going through an estimate. That'll really help. And then you can and then later on, you know, when you're more comfortable get out. It's very, very scary. I get it. But you must put your, you start branding yourself, no matter what you do, by the way, mm-hmm. even if you're a, an employee or a sales rep or an independent contractor, I think at some point, everyone, like I, I bought a website for my daughter when she was a baby, you know, like here. I, I see Same the here. power. Did you, yeah. <laughs> I see the, um, the power of branding is so crucial. And so, so what you do see is the product of that. Now, do, do all these people, when they show up, do they all know who I am? No, that is, you know, I do utilize Facebook sponsored ads. I highly recommend uh, Facebook sponsored ads. And I say that because you, you've seen the ads and you can't hide that. Uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people have seen those ads. So I would just, I would just recommend, you know, I'm not going to break down all the specifics of how I've learned to do that, but it's very, very difficult. I, I have, I don't hire anyone to do that for me. I do it myself. I mean, and, and in other words, like, what does the practitioner even mean? Okay, like, that's usually a question I get. And it's, and it's, I'm the kind of guy that figures out how to do things on my own. I may end up hiring people to do different things for me. But I, I need to wrap my head around how to do it so that if I hire someone, they're not going to just fill me full of hot air and say that they're doing these things for me. And the results that I'm seeing, I don't really understand, but they're not really paying much attention to my campaigns, for example, right? So so I need to really wrap my head around, I, I need to understand how this works and I need to make it work for me. That required a lot of money spent, a lot of learning, trial and error, testing, dedication, commitment to doing it myself. Um, and then with that, you, you have to have a good product. You have to, the yeah. substance has to be, has to be a value that really does help people and really changes people's lives. And I think, you know, if you look at the comments and the reviews from the events and from my course, it, it shocks me. You know, I come, I'm, I'm my worst critic. I'm like, oh yeah, we all are. Did I, did I provide value? Did I, pro-? I always ask them, are you getting anything out of it? You know, I'm ultra sensitive. If anybody has any critical feedback, I'm really like, <laughs> Oh man, that's what I'm thinking about the most, you know. But the reviews, like I thank God, has been just like overwhelming. Yeah. Just you know, and so that obviously helps. I hope I know that's probably not the you know the answer you're looking for. No, but, um, you know it's 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 a lot harder than you think. You know, so for anybody just wanting to jump out there and they think you know everybody knows who I am, you know, in our industry, in our little community that we run in, I say little because it's little. We're, we're only covering ground of a very small corner of our industry and insurance restoration inside of our industry is even small, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. small, but there's a lot of people that are in, that do what we do yeah. that are in our space that are not in our groups. They don't even know who these well-known people and these right. events, they've never even heard of them. That's the thing that shocks me. So we have to always think of ways to reach those people. <laughs> That's the best advice I would give for anyone looking to do events. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that was more than I was hoping for. I mean, a couple of things on <laughs> that, like, no, you, you speak my language as far as needing to learn it yourself so that yeah. if you do hire someone, then you know how to direct them, how to hold them accountable, how to collaborate with them. And, you know, but this you got to go big. That's the other thing. You have to go big. <laughs> if you're going to do a big event. Yeah. That you want to be big. You got to go big. So there's no $20 boosted posts and things like exactly. that. Exactly. That's not going <laughs> hey, to cut it. Grant Cardone, man, if you want, you know, if you want a hundred people in there, you got to market like you need a thousand right. because you're at a hundred. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely. For sure. But yeah, like taking ownership of it so you can collaborate with someone that, you know, maybe you do hire an event coordinator or someone to run your Facebook ads, but you know, if they're taking advantage of you or if you are, you know, if you're getting a good deal and most of so our clients... I What's I up? want to say too, I, I hate to interrupt, but I just wanted to say too, <clears throat> amazingly enough, like all those events that I've done that you're talking about, one time in Houston when I had 120 people, my 13-year-old daughter, not even 13 yet, was the only person who helped me. I do hire a photographer for a short window of time. Yeah. And then 130 in Columbus, my sister and her husband, you know, they're from nearby Dayton. They were there to help me. Cool. Aside from that, I have put on these events, planned them, managed them, done them, held them, check in the lunch, you know, everything by myself. It's amazing. Done them myself, you know, did everything myself for a very long period of time. No sponsors, no speakers, no staff, no anything to help me do any of that. I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm just saying like, maybe that maybe instead of thinking to yourself, if you want to do a big event with a bunch of, you know, maybe, maybe go out and build it up on your own back first. You know right. what I mean? That that's literally what I did. So sorry, no more. About no, that. no, no. Like you, you earned it. I think there's a lot of people these days that want to throw an event and they think that they could just throw up a, you know, a landing page and run some Facebook ads and they're going to get everyone to say, yeah, like there's just so much competition out there for our time and attention, our money, our energy, and so it's, it's hard, but you've, you've done that work. And the other thing I love is you talked about the personal brand. Your brand is, it's an asset, you know, whether you're a business, yes. you're a person, you're a sales rep, you're an employee, whatever it is, like it gives you options. I mean, you're at the point now, and I can probably say the same thing about myself and, and my company, like we're at the point now where we've got an audience, we've got a brand, we've got good reviews. We focus on our product. Number one, that is your best marketing is having a great product. Over deliver. But we can go out, you know, if we can go out there and, and, you know, put some things out to the market and say, Hey, would you got, we're thinking of building this. I actually did it this past weekend in our Facebook group. I said, Hey, we're thinking about coming out with this course on like how to do videos. Uh, Would you guys saw that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you got some good feedback. Yeah, like, would you pay a few hundred bucks for this and got like some good feedback? And that's that's all the validation we wanted because we're yes. actually already we're already building it and it's going to cost good. us, you know, some money to do it. And it's like, you know, that, that that could be a thing. But when you have that audience and that brand, that reputation, like it gives you options, right? If, if business gets slow or one division of your business, you know, slows down or, you know, it's winter time, like you have an audience, you can go out there and it's not all about selling them something, but it's like, Hey, what, what other problems can I solve for this audience? Like, how can I help them? And, uh, and you'll never go hungry. I mean, and that's, it yes. takes work. It takes years yes. of work, like you said. And, 
and it doesn't pay off right away. So like I, it's not a part-time job, right? <laughs> man. And most days you don't want to do it. Like, you know, you're tired. Yeah. You don't want to do it. But I know that like the work that I put in today is, mm-hmm. is going to pay off, you know, one, two, three years down the road. So like, that's you the hardest thing I think for people to understand, you know, like if you, <clears throat> if you were to go back, I mean, I don't have to tell you anything about who I am at all. I don't have to brag about myself and say, I'm right. this big guy. If anything, I try to downplay it. You know, when I meet with people, I really, I think they go a lot they away from it, like, oh, I didn't even know that's who that guy was, you know, because I don't like to do that. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. But like, if you were wondering though, and if you thought I was full of it, just go back and look at the history yeah. on my YouTube channel over many, many years. Go back and look at hashtag the practitioner and click on it and see how far it goes back. I mean, we're going back six years and people are talking about, you've got to do video, you've got to do video. Let's go see the videos that I was doing six years ago, you know, like when there's only a few people doing it. I yeah. mean, so, and you can go back and, and analyze and, and scrutinize the things I was talking about. And they're still right now, historically, like they're not obsolete at all. Like these, cool. these are things that still apply. The fundamentals still apply today. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a track record now, right? I think that's what you're talking about. Like you, over time, you can go back and see where did this guy come from? Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, you can, so you want to manage your credit score, right? You want to make, you know, there's different aspects of your life, but wow, this day and age, this environment, your social proof is your yeah. more credibility than anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People are doing the research more than, more than you think. I mean, yeah. even, you know, even now you hopped on, this zoom and you said, Hey, I just watched that podcast you did with Sam Taggart. And I'm like, Oh man, that was like over. Way two back. Years ago. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Like was great. And people are, you know, people are checking you out more than you realize whether you're a company or yeah. individual or, you know, whatever you are. So that's huge, huge, huge. So let me like just pivot a little bit. Yeah, you it, obviously interact with hundreds, thousands of contractors You've got to see, and we have a we have a special seat into hundreds of different businesses as well. So, like, you get to see patterns, right? Like, what are some of the common denominators that successful companies have? You know, what are some of the things that that people and companies get wrong continually? So, if you want to, uh, if you don't mind, like sharing a couple of those things. Like, first, you know, what do companies, what do companies do wrong that you see over and over again? Sure. So, and I'll try to. I'll yeah, I know. There's so a long winter, right? Yeah, we can do a series on this yeah. on both ends. Wrong I'll end, right? Be, you know? So, and I'll keep it specific to my area of expertise, right? Sure. Um, and that would, you know, be the insurance side of things. You know, the the struggles that people have with insurance adjusters. I think what where people so for taking that as a, really a two part question. The first is successful companies. What do they have in common, right? I think that. They're all on the same page. The successful companies are all on the same page. And how do you do that? You have to have systems and processes in place, procedures, right? But also everyone has to be centrally plugged in to the same story, you know, to the same strategy, to the same overall plan and the the, uh, principles that the company goes by. So I think that's really having a good CRM, a good way that everyone is always, you know, sharing task and responsibilities. Um, but it probably starts from the top of that company too. I think it takes someone with integrity to, that runs that company. Now, specific to my area of specialties, I, I would say successful companies, 
I think that to really be successful with insurance, the, the, the insurance issues is to keep the estimating and supplementing actually in-house. So that's strange coming from me, who was, was the outsourced company, the first one. That's how I know that it's not a good idea because you're, right. you're too detached. You've got to do it. It's back to that whole, do you outsource your Facebook and that kind of thing. So I think the sales reps should be selling. I mean, and this is hard, right? Because I, I think if it's not broke, don't fix, you know, don't try to fix it. If you've got a system in place that works, there's many different ways that people run their business in the space. So I'm not talking to those people. I'm not saying you should change it if you're killing it. You know, like, like if your sales reps are handling everything all themselves and there's that profit sharing, I don't want to. I don't want to rock that boat. But a lot of people struggle with that. So this is only to the ones that do struggle with that. And that is, I think the sales reps are better off selling and doing what they do best, and keeping the inspections and the estimating and the dealing with the insurance company to a totally different in-house, in-house, well-oiled machine that's made up of the inspections, estimates, and supplements. So actual inspectors that do inspections, estimate writers that do estimate writing. And then invoice, you know, follow up, the, the, the invoice management follow up, mm. the supplementers, if you will, handling that aspect. I think that's the best way. Now, as far as how people struggle, the couple of things that come that, that comes to the top of my head, I talk about these at my events a lot. And that is, you know, well, first, I think most people, the, the, the grand majority of contractors, especially the ones that we don't even know, they don't know any better and they just take the insurance adjuster's word for it. They take whatever's on that estimate and they do the job for whatever the insurance adjuster says they should do it for. That is amazing. I think that's how people first find me, like on my channel and events and things like that. This is one of the first things that I say is, are you just still taking the insurance adjuster's word for it? So that's a no-no in itself, but that's pretty basic. More than that, I think that people are fighting with the adjusters way too much they're being confrontational with adjusters out in the field. They're like the enemy to them, the adversary, the nemesis, if you will. Well, that may be so, but for me, I mean, that maybe they're my nemesis too, the insurance adjuster, but I don't want to let them know that because that's a weakness, you know? I'd rather kill them with kindness, you know, and kill them silently. I would, I would rather be thought of more as a special assassin, you know, uh -huh. than, to, than to be thought of as someone that's out there fighting them with hand-to-hand -hand combat. So listen, this is a very important value for anybody who listens in the space, and I want to provide value if I possibly can, is that we're all arguing about things that happened before the build, which is when you should handle the supplement process. You should do that before the build. You should hash out differences with adjusters before you just go build it. Getting it done after the fact is much, much more difficult. Um, so you should be hashing out these differences before the build. So initiate the supplement before the build. But when you're doing that, I just want you to think of one thing. It's all just an estimate at that point. It's just an estimate. If I could just get you to wrap your heads around that, it's just an estimate. It's not an invoice. That means everything that you're arguing about hasn't even happened yet. It's all just simply a hypothetical. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. So look, what are you being hired to do? Now, look, there's a lot of controversy about like how people charge versus retail and versus, you know, invoice uh, proceeds. And I, I don't call myself invoice proceeds. I'm from the model where I think you charge 
the total approved replacement cost value at the end of the day. You don't waive deductibles. You don't, you don't do jobs for ACV, actual cash value. But, and how, where do I get that from? Not only my experience, but if I were to look to the leaders, the true leaders, historically in the insurance restoration space, it would be companies like Belfort, right? It would be companies like ServPro. It would be those kinds of companies, right? And, th- and I get it, you know, there's, there's franchises, but they're historical, long-lasting models that have proven success over time. And those are the models that they go by. Here's a principle, and I tell people this at the beginning of my events, and then I repeat it over and over and over again throughout the day. It's probably in every one of my videos, which is you are not really hired to go put on a roof for a customer or to go and to rebuild their interior damages and things like that. What you're really, if you, if you are dealing with an insurance project that has an insurance company paying for it, the thing that you are really contractually obligated to do, okay, and this is at the center of everything you do, and this might flip some things around for some people and simplify it is that you are contractually hired. The thing that you're hired to do (laughs) as the contractor is to perform all repairs that are prescribed by the insurance claim. That's it. (laughs) Okay? So you are hired to perform all repairs that are prescribed by the insurance company. That means that when you go out and meet with an adjuster and they ask you, do you have an estimate? Well, I mean... I, you know, I have sort of the structure of an estimate started, you know, I do, you know, I do use Xactimate. I understand you guys use Xactimate, but really I was the contractor that was hired to perform all the repairs that are, that are prescribed by the claim. So really I'm just here to find out what it is that you're going to have me do. Like I'm here to get your instructions. I'm here to get my marching orders, not here to tell you what you're going to, what you should do, but I'm just here to find out what it is that you'll have me do. And I think if that's, the, if that's the starting point from every move you make and every way that you operate, like where they're telling you, no, it can be repaired and no, you only need this over here and no, you only need these line items and, and no, you can do the job this way. Not thinking about building codes, which are law. You know, I think the first move is to first see what it is that you'll have me do, okay? And then be a counterpuncher and react to what it is that they're going to give you. Let them give it to you. Let them give the money to the client. Take the money off the table, okay? Put the cash on your side, right? Never go to an adjuster appointment, never provide an estimate unless you have a signed agreement. That's just quick value nuggets that I can try to throw out that are principles in my head, okay? So that way they can't hire somebody, like go get the money. When the insurance company sends it, like when they try to say, hey, here's my estimate. Let me know if you agree to it. I'll send it out. I'll send it out a check. Uh, well, I can't agree to anything. I was the contractor that was hired to perform all repairs that are prescribed by you. So go ahead and send the money. Send the money. Send the money. Okay. We need to vet these things. We need to run it through our estimating staff. We need to plan out the job. We're going to go ahead and get started. Okay. We're, our job is to do whatever you prescribe. We're going to get started. All right. And if anything comes up, We'll let you know. Fair enough. Okay, great. Because there's literally nothing they could do at that point. And then, so that's where you start from. And then when the, where they're short, then you send them the differences. So you, you let the game come to you. you. You go with the flow of traffic. You let it come to you and you be a counter puncher. 
Instead of always trying to go out there and initiate everything, argue with the adjuster and wrestle them on the ground and <laughs> tell them they're no good and do all these things. And that's no slight to Raymond Wendell Little, by the way. I love that video, the State Farm video. I don't know uh, which video you're talking about. You know, I know. I got like millions of views, man. Oh, yeah. The guy's guy out there arguing with the State Farm adjuster on the roof. It's a classic video. I love the video. Um, and this is, I think it's monumental for our industry, for the world to see what it's really like with a State Farm adjuster. But I, okay. but I would just say, you know, and no slight at all to him. I love the guy. He's a friend of mine on Facebook. Awesome. Um, but I will say that that's not my style, right? Uh-huh. Like my style is more professional. <clears throat> You know, in, in a, when you show up to an adjuster appointment, just just try to maintain that level of professionalism, mm-hmm. the humility. It's all just an estimate before the build. So stop arguing about it. The adjuster okay. doesn't know how it's really going to go. You don't know how it's going to go. No one does until you actually start swinging hammers. And it, re- it becomes an actual instead of a hypothetical. Got it. Okay. That's cool. I don't know all the nuances of the insurance <laughs> restoration industry. Uh, however, sure I know will. enough to know that that's, that's a... What you just said is something that will resonate with some people. It's probably going to yes. infuriate some other people. I don't think so. I okay. Don't think so I don't, I don't think there's too many people that can be too furious with that. Oh, good. Okay. They are, right. you know, I love those people too. All right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, that's great. I think that gives a really good, gives people really good flavor as to like the, the approach that you have and just how they can, you know, see things in a different way and adjust their systems to, to be able to, to be more successful, more consistently. So thanks for sharing. You have the right to disagree with my methods. You know what I mean? You have the right to comment and talk about how terrible it is. Like I'm (laughs) totally cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, so like for sure that maybe some people disagree with the way I do things, but, but it's more of, um, you know, strategies and tactics that have been proved over time for many years and, and, uh, you know, on my channel, I have actual case studies where I, where I show where an estimate started uh, and I you know, go through the estimate and redact the personal information. And then I show the estimate that I wrote to kind of to counteract that right. eventually. And then where it ended up, like the revised copy, it's called What's Wrong With This Insurance Estimate. Chad Michael, the practitioner, is the name of the YouTube channel. Okay. So subscribe, hit that bell after you've subscribed to Joe's channel. and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of subscribing to do. Uh, no, no, that that makes sense. So, uh, well, let's. I think that's a good good way to kind of you know start to wrap things up. So you've got the YouTube yeah. channel, you've got your tour, you've got your class and course and everything like that. Um, just kind of give people an overview of you know where's the best place for them to start based on what they're looking for. How can they connect with you and that sort of thing? Good question. Um, InsuranceRestorationTraining.com. That's like sort of the hub where to point you off to all the things that I do uh, for consulting and training and different things. And there's other, you know, iescertified.com that you can be pointed off to there. My ticket box office, you can be pointed off to there. Um, find me on Facebook. Send me a friend request. I still take, I don't, I'm not maxed out on my friends. I can use some <laughs> friends on Facebook, but I also have a Chad Michael business page and an insurance restoration training page. Connect with me there. I'm also on Instagram at Chad Michael Media, at Restoration Training, Twitter, same kind of stuff. Um, I have LinkedIn and TikTok. That's some of my goals is to really up my game in those spaces. I'm horrible. No, no, dude, you're not, dude, you're not horrible. You're doing everything yourself and you're doing 10 <laughs> times more than, than, than I feel like I'm do doing more. right now. So you truly uh, are the practitioner. So don't beat yourself up for not being dude, that's you a, know, huge a TikTok you. star. You're that's a practitioner too. You are. Yeah, for sure. You got it. And that's, 
that's that's why you can say what like not whatever you want, but that's why you can say what you think and what people should do because you've got that experience, you've got those years of uh, experience built up, and have that confidence and conviction it, in what it you're truly doing is so. from a place of love, man. You know, because yeah. I when I I know, um, you know we didn't have time to cover a lot, you know, because I took over with long winded responses, but and I will say, you know, I, I don't. You kind of have to be cautious about people that talk about Christianity and things like that, you know. And so I've learned not to do that, but I'm not ashamed of it. I I, I do have Christian faith, and I love you know all people of all backgrounds and all different faiths. It's not to criticize anyone else. I don't ever hardly talk about that, but that is at the center. I'm not to say that I follow the Ten Commit, you know, all that stuff. You know, I'm I'm, I'm flawed, man, very flawed, you know, raw and uncut. But at the center, the most important thing is love, right? And so yeah. I think I, that's really, I want to share that. I think people should really start trying to focus their lives with that as the center of everything they do. You know, do it from a good place, not for money, not for that kind of thing. Start doing it from a place of love and kindness. And, 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 and I, I hope that's not cliche, but it is real and authentic, straight from the heart. Um, and everything I do, it's not for money anymore. It once was. It once was. And it was a miserable life. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you just try to go and truly empower and change lives to help people, there were not a lot of, there was no events and things like that for me growing up. I was doing it. I, I fell on my face. You know, that's how I did it. I tried something, fell on my face. Um, so if, if at all that I can help new people coming in, even people that have been around forever, do it better. It helps all of us as a whole to hold the insurance companies a little more accountable. <laughs> There you go. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, that's a great way to wrap it up, Chad. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing uh, your, your wealth of knowledge. And I appreciate your time and sharing with uh, with our audience and with me as well. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Joe, for having me. Much love, brother. Truly appreciate it. I really appreciate you. All right. Likewise, man. I'll talk to you soon and uh, hopefully see you soon as well. Definitely, man. It's going to happen. All right. See ya. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Nailed It Podcast. Don't forget to get your free training videos at contractordynamics.com.